Come on, let's, let's stay standing and take this opportunity to pray, prepare our hearts. God, thank You uh, that You want to plant Your Word in our hearts and our heart is the soil. Uh, will You prepare it right now, God? Remove anything that's hard. Maybe we've been weighed down by stress and anxiety. Will You soften our hearts, God, so that Your Word can be planted in it? God, we submit to You now. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank You that he has to flee. Pray Your protection around us and our children. Pray in this hedge protection that You'd minister to us, bring freedom into our life and, and salvation. God. If anyone is without hope, will You draw them unto Yourself? Will You knock on the door of their heart right now so they can open up that door and receive You as their Saviour? And everyone believed it said? Amen. Awesome. You guys can take your seats. It's good to have you in the house. And to all our first-time guests, we're trusting that you get connected. Of course, our prayer for you is that you really fall in love with God, you truly get to know Him personally, that you find friends to your destiny. And that you, of course, start to live out your purpose. And that's going to be, uh, Growth Track's going to help you discover that. And View Group's really going to help you find friends to your destiny. So I encourage you to do that. That's right. So we started a brand new series last week, Built to Last. I hope you guys are enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I think we all want to live lives that are built to last. And this week, Andre and I thought, you know, if we're going to actually live lives or leave, leave a legacy that lasts, um, a fundamental value that we have to grasp, and it's one of the most important values in our church. So if you're part of your church, you will have heard us speak about this before. But that value is that generosity is our privilege. Amen? Amen. Generosity is our privilege. So if we're going to live lives that are built to last, we need to understand that. And so I thought I'd get into just quickly what I love. It's a very simple definition of generosity. And it's this, generosity is giving more than what's expected. It's pretty easy to remember, hey? Being a generous person means you are willing to give more than what's expected. And you might say, okay, Leanne, cool. Why is that such a big value at View Church? Well, it comes back to our first value. If you've done growth track, you would have heard our number one value at this church is that Jesus is the center, okay? So the reason we are here this morning is Jesus. The reason we have air in our lungs is Jesus. The reason that we do this whole Sunday thing is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's our reason. He's our cause. He's our purpose. He's everything. And if we're going to glorify Jesus, we need to be generous. And also, Jesus is our ultimate example. Amen? Come on, we are Christians. We're meant to be little Christs. Sometimes it's embarrassing calling yourself a little Christ. Hey, just me. Always just me. Hey. But we're meant to be little Christ. We're Christ followers. We went to live lives like Jesus. Now, if you look at Jesus, in, in my eyes, He is the ultimate example of someone who lived a generous life. He came down to earth. He was sinless. He, he was the perfect example. And then yet He went to the cross and died the most gruesome, brutal death to pay the price for every sin you and you and you and I ever have and ever will commit. That is generosity. That's doing more than what's expected. And so would you guys agree with me if I said 
that our God is an extravagant giver. Would you agree with me? He's an extravagant giver. His example is incredible. Now, I'm also a bit of an English nerd. That was my favorite subject at school. I thought I was going to be a writer. And then in grade 11, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. So a bit of a flip, hey? And, um, but before that, I was book crazy. I wanted to be the next Wilbur Smith. And so I drive our staff team nuts by um, picking apart the English grammar on our Instagram and Facebook posts. Okay, I'm that girl. I'd write a letter to Leanne. She'd send it back mom. So yeah, I, that was the end of that. You know what I mean? Bad girl. He didn't read enough books <laughs> in his childhood. So I tell my girls that they need to read um, a thousand million times more than daddy did, which is really... Yeah, amen, but it's okay. Amen. But okay, English nerd here. I'm going to ask you guys a question. What would you say is the subject of the Bible? Come on, this is easy. The subject is Jesus or God. That's the subject of the Bible, okay? What is the main verb? Come on, you guys all remember from, from primary school, a verb is a doing word. What's the main verb? It's a trick question. Some of you are saying love. Okay, that, it's actually wrong. I can't do a good um, beep noise. Honor, can't you do it? No, no, no I'm not going to try. <laughs> I was going to go for it, but no. Okay, no. okay, you pulled back. But basically, you would think it's love. But John 3 verse 16 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Come on. The main verb is that our God gave out of his generosity. And if he just loved, you can go, I love you so much, but I'm not going to give you anything. There's not really love in action, hey? It's the fact that he would actually give the life of his one and only son that is the reason that we can go to heaven one day. So would you guys agree we are the most like our God when we give, when we are generous? And obviously we do it out of love. But he is a generous, generous God. And so if you are like me, maybe it's again just me. But when you're having those days and you're feeling sorry for yourself and the kids are expensive and the groceries are expensive and you're tired and you just want to rest, I will remind myself that Jesus gave me everything. His whole life, when He went to the cross, He gave me everything. So nobody owes me anything. And I am not a victim. Because of Jesus, I'm victorious and I can get through another day and I can live in victory because my God gave me everything. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Over to you. So we um, see that in the end times, people will be lovers of themselves. That's what Scripture says. Uh, faith will be on a low. And, and to be generous, of course, you have to be others focused and your faith has to be on a high because it really takes faith to follow Jesus' example. Because faith pleases God. But we're going to live in a world where people are going to put themselves first and they're going to be self-focused. In a way, it's a picture of a world that follows Christ is an open-handed world, worshiping Him and saying, God, I'm readily available. And God goes, well, with an open hand, I can bless you to be a blessing. But the world we're living in the end times is a close-fisted hand. It's a material-focused world. It's a get-what-I-can. It's a fear-driven world. And, and it's trying to keep all it can. Um, and really the antidote 
to that is generosity. Generosity, a generosity is opening up your hand, believing in God, following His example. But yes, we can get into a stingy world. And, and we need to make sure that we don't get into this place. Because what happens is when we're in a stingy world, when we're self-focused, we end up putting all the small things in our life first. It's like that picture of a jar. You put the sand and the small stones in, and then you try to put the big rocks in the jar, and they just don't fit. And then you put the big rocks in the jar first, and then you put the small sand and the stones in, and everything fits. It's like there's more than enough space, and there's peace. And that's what happens when you put the big rocks in. And that's why we say, if you want to be built to last, you need to build on the rock that is Jesus, and you need to put the big rocks in. And the, one of the big rocks is what Jesus shows us, is living a life of generosity. When you get to a place of generosity, you move from having a spirit of obligation and you start to see life uh, with eyes of opportunity. Of course, uh, uh, nothing great is ever built on a spirit of obligation. No marriage is, great marriage is built in a spirit of obligation. No great business is built in a spirit of obligation. But with the eyes of opportunity, you get to do this. You don't have to. And we see because of what Jesus has done for us, you and I are now destined for heaven. So, so you and I are not building just for the temporary. What we do here for God on earth, we can enjoy forever in heaven. We've got a massive opportunity. I remember growing up and going to a church that, that, that I didn't enjoy as much. I found it boring. The only prayer I prayed on Sunday was, please God, let my parents forget me in my bed. Anyway, and so, but, but they used to make us do Sunday school after church. I was thinking the kids have way less sin than the parents. Can't they do double church and then we can go home early? But but one thing, even in that, that obligation, I actually picked up some key things that totally set me up and really have become the greatest opportunity. I saw my parents still serve God. I saw my parents honor God. Even I remember my dad, when I grew up, he used to always put his tithes in an envelope and they used to walk to the front. And in that church, we all wore suit jackets. I only got my suit jacket when I was 16. Um, but, but I remember seeing my dad always putting God first. And what seemed like an obligation at that point really became my biggest opportunity because when I actually gave my life to God just before I turned 19, I remember hearing about putting God first, being generous to God and to people. And I was like, I get that. Well, how? I've seen my mom and dad do that all their life. I've seen my mom and dad put God first. And sometimes um, you most probably don't even see all the good things that you're experiencing right now that are actually your biggest opportunity, that you can actually flip and really enjoy the blessings of God. Um, if you start to see what Jesus did for you, um, that he's paid the price for your sin, that you've got a clean slate, and you've got this opportunity to put the biggest rock in your life, Jesus first, being generous like Jesus, you will start to see opportunities everywhere to bless people, to make a difference. But if you don't see that, then this is just an obligation. And you actually haven't really seen Jesus for who He is. All the married couples in the house, you will probably agree with me that in each married couple, there's a romantic and then there's more, a more practical person, right? Hey? Or just us? Is it just us again? Okay. Well, I'm the romantic. Um, he is the practical one. So luckily, there's always bread in the house. <laughs> And I know where the car keys are. And he yeah. knows where the car keys are. But um, when we were dating, um, this oh, guy... So we wouldn't be here today. 
You know what I mean? Like, we wouldn't have found the We'd still be looking for the cockies. That's the point. It's true. (laughs) It's me here. I'm the problem. It's me. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. But um, in all seriousness, when we were dating, okay, this guy does like to shop. Okay. He enjoys his clothing. And we started dating. And of course, in those days, there was only Bayside Mall. And I think it was Bayside or N1 City. And I remember us walking through Bayside and there was this shop. And he always wanted to go into this shop and have a look at this jersey. And I think we went into that shop like three or four times and he tried the jersey on. It was quite a pricey jersey. I was like, Shame, he really likes this jersey. And um, the romantic in me kicked in. And so the one day I had some money saved and I decided I was going to, you know, spoil him. So I went into the shop without him and I bought the jersey and then I went over to his house, super excited. He was staying in a little flat with his roommates and while he was distracted watching a rugby game or something, I went and hid the jersey in the packet um, at the back of his cupboard. And then I went home so excited, um, and I messaged him that night, hey, um, go look in your cupboard, like on your third shelf, there's a surprise for you. And of course he went and he found the packet with the jersey. But now the point of the story was, I had obviously saved that money for something else, but I didn't feel any obligation. Like, I didn't feel like, oh, you know, why did I do that? I just wasted my money. Like, that was, you know, that was a stupid thing to do. I was madly in love with this man, and I saw an opportunity to bless the person that I love. And his reaction, I mean, he was blown away. He was like, I can't believe you got me the jersey. I think he went and bought the ring that week, you know, like I sealed the deal. (laughs) But that's not why I bought it. But my point is, I think I got more joy than him because it was birthed out of the opportunity to show the person that I love, that I love them. And I think I was, I was more blessed. And the crazy thing is, come on, we all wanna be blessed. It's not just me, come on, we all wanna be blessed. We do. <laughs> and the Bible says, um, you know, if you wanna be blessed, it's, it's more blessed to give than to receive. How do you live a blessed life? You are a generous person. And I saw that. I mean, the joy that I got was massive. We see it if you're a parent and you've got children. Come on, Christmas is all about the children. It's all about their gifts. It's all about seeing their faces light up. It's more blessed to give than to receive. And and the most important thing I want to drive home is that as Christians, we have an opportunity to bless our God who we love who we're madly in love with. We have an opportunity every day when we are generous to bless the one that we love the most. Amen? So we see that a generous person, generous people have a spirit of opportunity, not a spirit of obligation. And, and that's something that needs to grow in our life. So let's face it, COVID would have attacked that. <laughs> COVID, we felt everything was taken from us, our schedules. We didn't know what was happening. We could tell when we'd be out of it. Um, I remember even sitting on the roof of my house, just looking out into the world. Like, you know, like I was like, when are we going to, you know, and it was just a crazy season. But what we kept on our team, because we were on Zoom and kept in our huddles, was always a spirit of opportunity. Um, God's in control. You can change the laws, but you can't change the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever man sows, he will reap. And, and so we just saw it. So I remember they finally opened. They said the church can meet in groups of 50. The first thing we said was, this is the 
biggest opportunity to plant churches. Because let's face it, you plant a church and you have 30 or 40 people come, the church planter feels like a total failure. You know what I mean? COVID, we like felt like the biggest heroes if 30 and 40 came. You know what I mean? So it was like the biggest opportunity to plant locations and it made us flexible. And that's what we need, the zone we need to stay in. When we're generous, when we see what Jesus has done for us and that Jesus has positioned us to make a difference, there are opportunities everywhere. There's always an opportunity to make a difference. Of course, we, we, we say to people, if you see that, that Sunday is not just a normal day, um, that you can have a day in God's house that counts forever in heaven, that you can see people saved. The most people still get saved on Sundays. Why? Because people who are unchurched know that the church meets on Sunday. That's just normal. But if you can see it, then, then you can find the best parking or you can go, you know, I could maybe park further down and a new person can have that parking. It's an opportunity, but, but what I'm trying to say is that's how people who are grateful live. They just see the opportunity to make a difference. Maybe you normally sit in the same row, and you come, and somebody else is sitting in your row. Then you go, that must be a new person. What an awesome opportunity to connect with them. Not that we do it at View Church that you have your row. Maybe you do. I don't know. Uh, but, but what I'm trying to say to you is, is, are you staying generous and seeing the opportunity? I remember I, was, I used to work in marketing and I used to work with people of all different religions. And, and I remember some of the guys wanted to be cool. They never wanted to say they ever went to church. So sometimes guys say, what did you do this weekend? I say, I recorded some music. I used to be part of recording albums at the church. I say, have a listen to this. And, and the guys would be like, oh, that's cool. Then I'd, I'd actually buy them an album. I wouldn't make it public. Oh, yes, no. Like I'd just give it to them. And guys started listening, and, and people started getting saved. I even had a, a Muslim lady come up to me after I bought a few albums. She said, yeah, I'll let you know, I gave my life to Jesus. But there are always opportunities out there at your workplace, with your neighbors, in this church, in our car park, to make a difference. Are you going to stay generous, and are you actually going to see the opportunity? When you start to see it, you're going to become flexible not fragile. And I remember giving a year to God. I mentioned on that advert um, 23 years ago. And already when I was the first year to serve in the church, and I remember once I had sensed God tell me to do it, and I spoke to my then youth pastor, Paul Van Koller, I already had known, I'm going to just, I'm going to give this no strings attached. I had the best year I'd ever had in my life. You've never lived until you decide to live with no strings attached. And I remember doing it. I used to carry like five or ten rand in my wallet, I'd go out to eat, and, and, and the waiter would we'd go with friends. I'd be like, I already had supper. I'll have a glass of water. I could see the waiter's face drop. Like, like what are these guys doing? But they never knew that I already had my ten rand tip. This was 23 years ago. So when I brought up my tip, they were like, wow, you ordered water and you gave me like this much money? And, but I was always positioning myself to be generous. And, 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 and so I remember starting the youth group and, and I, I had a whole bunch of guys who I could see they felt obligated to be at church. And I wanted them to catch just the revelation that I'd caught, that it's a massive opportunity. So I used to pack chairs before the service, listen to worship. And then afterwards, I'd pack the building up. And I used to love it because I really felt like I connected with God. And then at the end of the service, I said, hey, do you guys want to help me pack up? And they'd be like, yeah, but we're just going to, I said, don't stress, not pack up the building. 
It was in the small, uh, the small hall down there. Then the next Sunday, I'd do the same thing. The same group of people, actually Ann's brother and his friends. And, and they're like, yeah, but, and after a few weeks, they'd say to me, uh, we know what you're going to ask us to do. Pack the auditorium up, and then you're going to say, don't worry, I'll do it myself. I said, hey, did you think I needed your help? They said, yeah. I said, no, I don't need your help. I want to invite you to what I've experienced. Since I've been serving God with no strings attached, I feel more alive than I've ever felt. And I want to invite you to this opportunity to start living like that. And so, yes, I actually don't need your help. But I've realized I'd be selfish if I didn't invite you to join me on this journey. Of course, that changed the culture totally. That culture changed. Everyone was serving. Everyone was giving. They just saw opportunity everywhere to make a difference. Generous people see opportunity everywhere. So if you've been to our growth track, you would have heard this before. If you haven't, um, we also say this. Generous people will sow their time, their talent, and their treasure. And um, I think the first thing I want to touch on is time. Because I think especially in 2023, where the world is so fast and so busy, time is probably our most important commodity. Like, you can't get time back. You can get money back, you can, but you can't get your time back. And I think a lot of us would love 30 hours in a day because we are so busy. But when you say, God, you get my time first, he goes, whoa, you're giving me something that's actually very valuable. And, and just to make it practical, how do we sow our time into God's kingdom? Or how do we sow our time into something that has an eternal purpose? Practically, the first thing that I know I have to do is I need to wake up in the morning and sow some time into spending time with God. Otherwise, God help my husband and my family and everyone else I'm going to come into contact with, okay? It's just me again. I need God. I need the Holy Spirit to help me every day. I need the fruits of the Spirit in my life. If I haven't spent time with God, I'm probably gonna be grumpy, miserable. I'm not gonna be smiling. But when I spend time with God, there's a joy in my heart. I'm more patient. I'm more kind. I'm actually aware of the fact that I'm not just living for Leanne Huyf. I'm actually on a mission and I'm looking out for who I can pray for, who I can invite to church. I'm a way nicer person when I've started the day in God's presence. So yes, it means it's less time in bed on Facebook or it's less time sleeping, but I'm investing time into something eternal. Are you guys with me? So you go, God, you get the first part of my day. I'm gonna spend time in your presence. Then on a practical level, I strongly recommend that you join a view group. And I know some of you think we are nuts because we're always talking about view groups, but Andre and I have lived in this church. We've seen the power of being a part of a view group. You've got a circle around you, people who are on the same mission as you, who can encourage you, have your back. The thing is, our God never designed us to live life alone. And some of us would love to live life alone. I can be an introvert. Sometimes I just want to be by myself. I know I talk a lot, so that sounds very hard to reconcile. But sometimes I just like my own company. But God has decided that we need relationships. So we don't grow on our own in our bedroom, on our phones. We grow when we interact with people right? When your boss is challenging and you have to confront them and still be godly, that's how we grow. Or when we want to punch our boss and possibly end up getting, you know, um, 
a, a HR hearing or a, a case against us, we go to our view group and they say, hey, calm down. Let's pray for your boss. Let's pray for you. And they've got your back and they encourage you and they check in on you and, and things go much better because you've got people that love you and care for you and are speaking wisdom into your life, Right? And the Bible says, you become like the people you hang around. So if you're not hanging around with the view group, you're hanging around with someone most likely, and they could be a really bad influence. So get into a view group. Life is so crazy. I know lots of people say, oh, Leanne, I can't, I've got small kids. I can't join a view group. The kids have to be in bed. I've got my routine, da, 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 da. I understand that. But remember, the Bible also says that you can't outgive God. And that he's not a man that he should lie. And he says, those who refresh others, he will refresh. And listen, I have to remind myself of that. Again, I'm human, so he, my husband will, will attest to that. Because sometimes I am tired. And, and, and making sure the house is clean for view group can seem exhausting. But I remind myself, when we had tiny babies, so when Juliana was born, I don't think, I think we took a two-week break from view group and we carried on having it at our house with our two-week-old because the Bible says he will refresh those who refresh others. The life of the generous gets larger and larger. She fell asleep to worship music. She still loves to fall asleep to worship music. Then, like kamikaze pilots, we had our second child while Juliana was still one and we still didn't stop view group. We took both babies and we went for it. And you know what? God was faithful. And I believe he's blessed our kids because they've grown up in his house. He can't lie. He says he makes the world of the generous larger. He refreshes those who refresh others. So it's become a part of our life, our culture. If you tell our girls view group is canceled, they are shattered, you know, because they believe that's what you do on a Wednesday. You meet with your church friends and you talk about the Bible and you talk about God and you encourage each other. And so I want, to, I want to encourage you. Yes, it's a sacrifice of time, but it has an eternal value for you and your family. The other thing, you guys are all here on this Sunday, and, and it's the best thing you could possibly, possibly be doing on your Sunday. I believe that with all my heart. I said it last week when I preached. King David said, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my Lord than have a feast in the house of the wicked and the wealthy. There is nothing better than being in God's house. And you guys are setting yourself up for an eternal reward because you're in His presence. You're being changed. You're being encouraged. This has eternal value, being in God's house. This will bless you more than a thousand days doing anything else. And again, you can say I'm nuts, but the Bible says it. I believe it. So you sow your time into his kingdom. Just so you know, I'm not making up these verses. Proverbs 11 verse 25, it says, a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Awesome. Next thing, sorry, babe, I'm almost done. We, we verbal diarrhea by the introvert. But we also called to, to, to sow our talents, you know? And for me, I think the most heartbreaking thing is when I see gifted people who keep their talents away from the church. Now, I am a medical doctor. I have the privilege of, of serving at the clinic, and I believe it's the best thing I can possibly do with my medical career is serve God's house. I do believe that. And it's so exciting now we've got, we had just me, now we have three doctors, we've got a psychologist. 
But when you sow into God's house, it's the most powerful thing you can do with your gifting. I've got a daughter who's nine. She has a beautiful voice. And I tell her all the time, Zara, you were not given that voice to be the next Taylor Swift. I'm like, you won't. You were given that voice to worship Jesus. You are going to be a worship leader. You're going to write songs that glorify Jesus. You're going to use that gift in the house. That gift was given to you by God, from God, by His grace, for His glory. That's what you're going to use it for. Okay, Zara. And she's quite scared of me, so she says, okay, mommy. But I'm praying that it's going to be rooted in her heart and that she's going to love God's house. Because, yeah, for me, Taylor Swift, she got that talent to worship God. I believe that. Like, she was created by God to worship God. And, I mean, Andre's got his own story about his talent. I don't think we have time for that. But I just want to say this. (laughs) Clearly. That came out all wrong. Sorry. <laughs> okay, he was a semi-pro soccer player, but he chose uh, to be a pastor. But before we get on to that, <laughs> I just want to say this, but this is important. So is his talent and his sacrifice. But hang, hang with me, guys. Holly Wagner is a pastor in LA. And she says she pastors a lot of famous people, right? Actors and actresses. But she says she has never worked with as many messed up people as she has in LA. And I was at a conference and I heard her say this live in Joburg. And she said the reason why they are so messed up in LA is because no human being was created to be famous. No human being except the one who was only a human for 33 years and is now sitting in heaven next to our Father, Jesus the only human being that was ever created to be famous. We were not created for fame, okay? Celebrity pastors shouldn't be a thing, okay? We are all put on this earth to make Jesus famous. Our talents, our gifts, it's all to glorify Him, to build His church. Awesome. I'm gonna end with this, but what we have to understand is that God owns everything. And David actually says in Chronicles, and I won't go there, he goes, who are we to be this generous? And then he says, because you've given us everything. And of course, the Scripture says, the earth is the Lord's. And so what we see is we've got this Father who owns everything and He gives us time, talent, and treasure. Then we realise that the first role of man, pre-sin in the garden, was to tend to the garden and the animals. The first role of all of us, and it's still the number one role God gives us, is stewardship. You and I steward what belongs to the Father. The best stewards understand that who owns it, but they take care of it like it's theirs for Him. They don't get disconnected where they go, it's mine, no, no, it's for Him. And the best stewards find out what pleases the Father. So then we see in the parable of the talents, God comes back, He's distributed stuff and He comes back and He finds out who's brought increase and He says, well done to them. Then the ones who haven't brought increase, of course, he says, you wicked servant. And he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So we see, okay, the kingdom of heaven is connected to stewardship. What does God want us to steward? And what's the purpose of the stewardship? Well, now you have to find out what's the most valuable thing to God. How do we find that out? Well, what did God pay the highest price for? Well, God sent His Son. What did Jesus pay? 
pay with? He paid with His blood. What did He pay with His blood for? Human beings. So all our time and our talent and our treasure, we steward it so that more people will get saved and have a relationship with God because that's what's the most valuable to Him. And when God comes back, He will see how we used our time, our talent and our treasure for His glory and to bring increase to His kingdom and to build His church because Scripture says He'll come back for His church. What gets in the way of this? Fear and greed. Greed says you'll never have enough. Fear says you don't have enough and bad times are coming. But Scripture says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll provide for all your needs. Okay, so now the one who owns everything has said he'll take care of you. But the one who doesn't own everything, the enemy says you'll never have enough. Now, whichever one you respond to, you end up trusting and you end up putting a spirit on, for instance, your money. The money that's surrendered to God because you trust Him has got the Spirit of God on it. It's the Spirit of multiplication. God says, whatever you sow, you'll reap. And you'll reap not 30, 60, 100 fold. But the other one that isn't entrusted to God has got the Spirit of Mammon on it. A Spirit of Mammon is to trust in wealth. It's to trust in material. Okay. What has the Spirit of Mammon resting on it? Whatever is not surrendered to God. So money is spiritual. So you've got your time, your talent, and your treasure, but money's the key. Over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible are around money. Over 200 around faith, over 200 around people, 2,300 around money. Why? Because we know that you can't serve God and money. That's what scripture says. You'll either love the one, you'll hate the other. So God says money has this ability to pull you away from me. Scripture says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be. It doesn't say wherever your heart is, your treasure will be. Wherever your treasure is. So we have to put God first. Why does God say, put me first in your finances? Because then He has the ability to bless the rest. And Malachi 3 verse 10 says, you honour God with the tithe. And of course, He rebukes the devourer. Is a tithe a command? Yes, it's before the law. People say it's the law. No, no, before the law, the tithe was implemented. In the law, the tithe was implemented. And Malachi 3 verse 10 says, you've been robbing me. Well, how have I been robbing you? He says, you've been robbing me through not tithing. Of course, so we see then that God's saying, you've been pulled away. You're trusting in your wealth. I am the, I am the father. I own everything. Now, if you think about it, God gives Leanne money, gives me money. Leanne takes care of it. She's a good steward of it. She uses it to increase God's kingdom. I lose the money. Who does God entrust with more money in the future? God's running a massive benevolence fund that He uses to build His kingdom. So we see that tithing is a principle that breaks the spirit of mammon over our life, fear and greed. So we just said, God wants you to be a steward of your time, your talent, and your treasure. It's the big rocks. You might say, Andre, I have a desire to honour God in all three, but maybe your biggest battle is money. You know why? Because that's where you, that's your biggest. You can't serve God and mammon. You'll hate the, you can't serve God and money. You'll either love the one, you'll hate the other. I encourage you to go on a 10-month challenge. Maybe you want to be there. Why don't you do a 10-month challenge and see what God does? Maybe you honour God with 1% and ask God to favour you and position you to honour Him with 2%. But why don't you do it? Because, because 
the enemy wants you to say you can never do it. You know, people who don't tithe, they say they can't afford to tithe. People who do tithe, they say they can't afford not to tithe. You need to live on one side of the line or the other. Where are you living? Listen, I'd rather have 90% blessed because I've honoured God than 100% cursed. And that can sound a bit harsh, but that's what the spiritual truth is when you study the Bible. I'm going to pray for you guys. Right now, why don't you close your eyes? Maybe in this place, and you need to just trust God to, to honour Him, to be a good steward of the time, the talent, the treasure. God, I, I pray for everyone here. Whatever area they need to be better stewards in, might be their time, might be their talent, might be the treasure. Will you help them now? I thank you, God, that you never call us to something that you won't help us with. God, your invitation to be good stewards is not only comes with your instruction, it comes with your power of the Holy Spirit. Will you help them now as they step out to honour you in whichever area you're talking to them about? In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, touch their life. I also want to also pray for anyone who needs to come back to God. Scripture says, as we confess that we sinners, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. If you are saying, Andre, I need to confess that I'm a sinner. As you do it, God gives us the free gift of salvation. He forgives us of our sins. Maybe you need to ask Him to be the Lord of your life. That means He's first in your life. If you need to do that, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. And I'm gonna ask you, that's you. Just say, include me in that prayer. Just give me a wave. So Andre, I need to pray that prayer. I need to ask Him to forgive me of my sins. I need to come back to God. I've drifted away from Him. If that's you, just give me a wave. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. Anyone else? Just saying, that's me, Andre. I just, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Awesome. Let's pray together. Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sin. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's thank Jesus in this place. Can I ask everyone just to look to that side? Yaku standing there, open the door. We've got a men and women counselors. If you prayed that prayer, your next step is to tell somebody. You can go there with the family, maybe if you want to, but we t- encourage you to do that. If you are getting water baptized, we've got you, ladies can change the, cha- the ladies' change room, men in the men's. We've also got extra clothes and towels. We are going to be baptizing people outside there. Um, so why don't you celebrate with us? Um, if you came and you want to be baptized, we've got clothes for you as well. Have an awesome Sunday. God bless you guys.